0: on everybody and welcome back to another episode of rookie ball the podcast where you want to go if you need to know anything sports or if you just want to hear my opinion on him i of course am always your host phoenix haigus and everybody welcome back happy march the man this is here and you can bet your bottom dollar we will be getting into college basketball later this episode the first thing we got to talk about is of course the mlb now I always talk to you guys about how much I pride myself on giving you guys the most latest news as recent as I possibly can, and that is why I'm recording this on Tuesday morning. The episode is supposed to be released today, but we gotta talk about the MLB and PA have been doing meetings for the past week. The first official deadline has already passed for the season to be cancelled or to be made up. We are now on our second deadline. And they are just meeting endlessly, and it seems like they're still not close to a deal. I've been talking a lot with my friends, my family, some fans of the podcast, and it's really going to stink if the MLB season gets canceled. Uh, You know, as a person who supports the players' side of this, uh, if a season is to get canceled, I'm in support of it if the players want that. But as a person who does sports entertainment and has this podcast, Obviously, I want to give you guys everything, and baseball being one of my favorite sports, if not my favorite sport, I want to, of course, share my opinions and talk about it with you guys, so it will be really sad if no MLB season happens this year, but it is what it is at the end of the day. We talked about it on Friday, that it's just, it's not up to us. It's up to them to decide if an MLB season will happen this year, if it does I'll be happy as long as it's playing by what the players want. So just a super short snippet. Don't really want to get into it. I just hope that an MLB season happens this year, so that I can enjoy so that I can enjoy some games. I was hoping I'm gonna be visiting Cincinnati during the summer that I get to see some Reds games. Maybe I get to go out and see some Rangers games down in Texas, but that'll be for another day. So as I said, I want to get into more sports that I don't usually watch, so I'm not talking about the NBA every episode I'm not talking about the MLB meetings all the time. So for people that have been listening to the past episodes, you know that I've been really trying to get into the NHL. I picked out my favorite teams in the Eastern Conference, I have the Penguins, in the Western Conference I have the Kraken. I've been trying to watch their games, I've been trying to watch other games, looking in the news, obviously most of the news has been consumed by Russia and Ukraine right now. And I feel that I am ready to make my NHL playoff predictions. Although the season has really only been like a month and a half in so far. And they probably still have half the games to play. I want to make my predictions. So even though I said the season just began on January 13th. The playoff field is almost completely set in terms of probability odds of a team getting in or not. Really the only teams fighting are the bubble teams than the last seeded teams. Most of the other stuff just happens to be rankings based on how their seeding will go. Now going from top to bottom, the favorite it seems like so far in the NHL this season is the Colorado Avalanche. They have the best record in the NHL. It seems like every probability odds has them at least making the Stanley Cup Finals. And I apologize I couldn't just do this off of preference of watching the games. Obviously, I have not seen every team play, and a one-game sample probably wouldn't be the best for an analyst to go in on. So I did have to look at odds, Vegas odds, probability, to really get a feeling of who's at the top. On the Eastern side, it looks like the Carolina Hurricanes seem to be the favorite, as they do have the best record in the Eastern Conference. But I'm looking a lot at the returning champions, and yes, I know who that is. That's the Tampa Bay Lightning Now, I did know this through research, but I knew it before that because it was a big thing that Tampa Bay had won two championships in the same year with the Buccaneers and the Lightning both winning. A great year for Tampa Bay. It seems, especially with the Eastern Conference, but also with the Western Conference, that there's a top five or six teams, and then everyone below them just seems to be in the playoff hunt. Now, the top seven teams in the Eastern Conference are decently close uh with first place having 37 wins and seventh place having 33 wins it's not that small of a margin but then you go to the a-seeded team the washington capitals who sit at 28 wins obviously that's a four game split between first and seventh and then a five game split between seventh and eighth so there seems to be a big divide between the actual contenders in the eastern conference and the pretenders, the guys that are not going to be making it, and that's why it seems very heavily that Washington and the probability odds was not favored to even get close to the Stanley Cup. But it is interesting, you know, I've watched other sports, I've watched the NBA, the MLB, the NFL, and it never seems like this early in the season that the playoffs are already set. Now, obviously, if a team like the Arizona Cardinals this year in the NFL, when they start off 8-0, 9-0, yes, it's very probable that that team will make the playoffs, but that's halfway through the season already. And from what I can see, yes, they are sitting at like the halfway point. They just had their all-star game. But when I looked at the previous standings, it seems like it was already set. We kind of knew who the teams were going to be that made it. And obviously, some teams have gone on streaks and put themselves more in contention, but it's interesting. I think the NHL is a little more favorable to the favorite teams. Now, that being said, in the Western Conference, things seem to be a little bit closer in terms of the bottom teams. Obviously, you have your favorites such as the Colorado Avalanche. Now, in the Western Conference, it seems super solid who the best team is here. Colorado, as I talked about earlier, sits at 39 wins, and the second best team, The St. Louis Blues sit at 32 wins. That's a seven-game difference. And the lowest team, the ace-seeded team, in the Western Conference sits at 29 wins. So only a three-game difference between second and eighth, but yet a seven-game difference between first and second. So in the Eastern Conference, it seems like more of this battle between seven of the eight playoff teams to whereas the Western Conference seems more like one team is very solidly the winner here while the other seven teams are just hoping for a miracle. And even then once you look into the in the hunt race in the Western Conference it seems like outside of the Edmonton Oilers all the other teams are almost out of it at this point. Obviously in standings wise they can mathematically make it. But stats-wise, the difficulty of schedule, it seems like these teams are basically set. So I kind of get this feeling right now that I saw in the AFC versus the NFC this year, and I see in the future of the NFL, to whereas on the AFC side, we see a lot of competitors. We see the Bengals, we see the Chiefs, the Bills. Obviously, Justin Herbert with the Chargers will soon be a threat. And with the NFC this year, obviously, the Green Bay Packers were the best in the regular season. But when you look at straight-up talent of a team, the Rams kind of dominate. And we saw that throughout the playoffs. Their star power came through at the end of games and won them a Super Bowl. And when I'm looking at the NHL, I see the same thing. I see in the Eastern Conference, which we'll call the AFC, seems to be very competitive seven of the eight playoff teams are within a three to four game win margin and it kind of feels like anyone can take it with the western conference being the nfc there's a team that's clearly more talented that has more wins by a large margin and most likely will be clinching the first seed in the next coming weeks in the colorado avalanche so to make that comparison it makes it a little bit easier for me to understand the NHL, to truly grasp who are the favorites. That being said, with all of that info that you just gathered from me and my very light knowledge in the NHL, it is time for me to make my Stanley Cup predictions. Now I have no idea who to go with in the Eastern Conference. So I'm gonna start off in the Western Conference where I feel like I would be dumb not to take the Colorado Avalanche. They're dominating in terms of standings. It seems like it seems like they're just better than every team in the Western Conference. So I'm easily gonna take the Colorado Avalanche if I was a betting man, I'd take them. But in the Eastern Conference, now obviously when we picked out my teams, The Pittsburgh Penguins were my team in the Eastern Conference and it seems like they most likely will make the playoffs but you have the returning champs in there you have Carolina in there with the best record and you have Toronto in there which Canada is is hockey's national place you know what I mean who I'm rooting for in the Eastern Conference to make the Stanley Cup finals obviously will be the Pittsburgh Penguins but If I were to be a betting man, I'm going to take Tampa Bay. I think they go back to the Stanley Cup Finals. Do I think they win? No. Colorado just looks too good. But I'm going to pick the returning champs to make it back to the Stanley Cup Finals and play the Colorado Avalanche, which I have Colorado winning in. So, hey, we just did like a 12-minute segment on the NHL. And there will be more to come as I learn the sport more and more as I learn the players. And especially with only 27 to 29 games remaining for each team, I cannot wait to get in the playoffs where I can focus on specific teams and specific players. So I hope you guys are ready for the NHL to become a more prominent category in rookie ball. So I promise I won't spend too much time on the NBA here, but I do want to do a little segment that I think it's a little fun and has been inspired by the Pelicans' recent surge with CJ McCollum at the helm, and that is looking back at the trades that happened on February 10th's NBA trade deadline this season, and going back and really seeing how much it has benefited the teams with 15-20 to 20 games played now with those trades happening. Obviously, we got into this one a little bit last time, last episode, and that is between the Sixers and Brooklyn. At the time, neither of the star players had played for either team, and Ben Simmons has still not played for the Brooklyn Nets, but James Harden has now played three to four games with the Philadelphia 76ers, and let me tell you, this man is going off. This man is turning into the James Harden of old and is playing at an MVP level beside his actual MVP candidate teammate Joel Embiid. And Philadelphia looks scary again all of a sudden. And it's questionable. I said last episode that Philadelphia would probably not make the championship still with James Harden. And all of a sudden it looks like they might. I don't know. It's, it's weird. I don't really know how to feel about it. But James Harden is playing super well on Philadelphia. It'll be interesting to see now that Kyrie gets to play a few more games, it seems like. Not really. Uh, But Kevin Durant will be back eventually, and Ben Simmons will be back. And that'll be very exciting to see how the Brooklyn Nets play that one. Now when I say looking back at the trades, I'm looking for the trades that have already made an impact on the team, whether it be negative or positive. And so there are trades such as the Chris trade for Spencer Dinwiddie trade that haven't made monumental moves in the franchise, but one of them that I did not expect to make any difference has seemed to possibly make uh, a decision for the Charlotte Hornets, who acquired Montrezl Harrell from the Washington Wizards, and since then... The Charlotte Hornets have been on a big losing streak, losing 9 of their last 10, I think, and they lost to Detroit, which is bad. But Charlotte doesn't look good, and it's ever since they made this deal. Now, I'm not saying that Smith and Vernon Carey Jr. were carrying the Charlotte Hornets team, but it seems Montrezl Harrell is more hurting this team than helping this team. So... I don't think the Wizards won this trade in any way because I think Harrell was actually helping them when he was on the Wizards. But I'm saying that the Hornets definitely didn't win this trade. One of the dumbest trades I've seen happen so far is the Spurs trade to get Goran Dragic, who they immediately released, and let the Brooklyn Nets pick him up, which was one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. They basically traded Thaddeus Young, Drew Eubanks, and a second round pick for a first round pick and some cap space, which I don't think of the Spurs as a team to go out and get a huge free agent. So I'm just saying I don't see really the point besides getting a first round pick from the Raptors, who, you know, will be middle of the pack, like pick, probably end of the lottery. So I don't really understand it it doesn't make much sense to me but go ahead Spurs I don't know I just don't see them picking up a free agent so the cap space move doesn't really make sense now moving on to a trade that when it happened we criticized the Kings over and over and over again for trading one of their youngest star pieces Tyrese Halliburton along with Buddy Heald and Tristan Thompson for DeMontis Sabonis and a few other players such as Justin Holiday, Jeremy Lamb, and a second round pick. And it still looks dumb. Now Sabonis has been playing great for the Kings. He has been playing very solid as he was on the Pacers. It still doesn't make them a contending team. It doesn't make them a playoff team. And weirdly enough, even though they will definitely not make the playoffs this year, the Pacers look a lot better with Tyrese Halliburton, who is playing at an Unbelievable level since moving to Indiana, and that's without saying, Tristan Thompson has not played horrible since getting on the Pacers. Although his news has been caught up more in other stuff than actually being a player. So, if you're asking me, I I think there's no debate, and there was no debate from the beginning. The Pacers absolutely won this trade and will be set for the future, especially since they'll be getting a decently higher pick in the 2022 draft. There's one more trade we gotta get into before we talk about my Pelicans trade, and that is the Cavs acquiring Karis LeVert from the Pacers. Now, when you just look at the player swap between this, you would think the Cavs absolutely won this trade. In my mind, I think that both teams are pretty favorable in this deal. The Pacers get a 2022 first round draft pick that is lottery protected this year. The Cavs are most likely going to be a playoff team, so they will get the pick this year. And they get a couple of second-round picks, one from a contending team and one from a team at the bottom of the standings, so they'll have a very high second-round pick. And the Cavs get a guy that they needed, a small forward shooting guard who can play very well, play at a high level, right below an all-star level player, being Karis Levert, and... I think the Pacers are set for the future, which they want to be now that they've traded for Tyrese Halliburton. And the Cavs get the guy they want to make them contenders now and for the future because the Cavs are looking very high up. So if you ask me, this was the biggest win-win trade because the Pacers get what they want and the Cavs get what they want. Do I think the Pacers would have been better off just with Karis LeVert? Yeah. A little bit but i still think they'll be fine in the future with this trade now the final trade i want to get into is the new orleans pelicans acquired CJ mccollum along with larry nance jr and tony snow while giving a first round pick two second round picks and a load of players including josh hart and Nikhil alexander walker to the Blazers. Nikhil alexander walker was immediately traded which was a super dumb move by the Trailblazers, given that they just gave up CJ McCollum, a sharp shooting shooting guard, and acquired a sharp shooting shooting guard and to kill Alexander Walker, who has potential, and immediately trading him. Although they do now have Josh, Josh Hart, who hasn't even played that much for him so far, This just, I'm sorry, it just seems like a really dumb trade for the Trailblazers, especially since Damian Lillard had a strong connection to CJ, and ever since CJ has come to New Orleans, he has been dominating, he's been the number one guy, and he's leading them up the standings while the Trailblazers continue to slip down and down and down and down. Now, I'm not saying that CJ McCollum is better than Damian Lillard, but he's proving himself that he could have been a number one guy the whole time and he would have not led the trailblazers to a championship the hope is that zion will come back eventually and i understand it's looking like he's pulling a james harden it looks like he's pulling an anthony davis but the hope is that one day Zion williamson will come back and will play alongside cj and brandon ingram in that trio ladies and gentlemen. That could be a contender right there. But that is for us to see. I'm really happy that I get to enjoy watching Pelicans basketball again, and I hope the NBA continues to do what they're doing, because it has been very exciting to watch, and I can't wait for the playoffs. But it is March, ladies and gentlemen. And although the NBA is very exciting, this month, even though it doesn't actually start really most of this month this month is for a different type of basketball i'm talking about college basketball ladies and gentlemen obviously we saw march madness during the 2021 year but it just it it didn't feel right there was no fans they add so much and and the same with the with the nfl season with the with the buccaneers winning it just didn't feel right with no fans And that is why I feel like this is the first time we're actually getting March Madness in almost two years. So obviously the bracket is not set yet, but that does not allow us to talk about teams that we need to watch that are on the outside. My prediction for the national champions and my four number one seeds. Now I always open up to you guys about who my favorite teams are in each sport, who I root for. And I haven't really talked about my college teams. Now, I don't watch much of college baseball, but I do watch a lot of college basketball and a lot of college football. And you guys should know that I root for different teams in each category. And I want to explain a little bit because once I say the names of the teams, you guys are going to think that I'm the biggest bandwagon in the world, and I promise I'm not. Now, as I've said with the NBA, I picked the Pelicans out just because I followed a player From my favorite team in college basketball to them and that's the team he landed on and i stuck with that team and that player in college basketball was anthony davis who played at the university of kentucky which is my favorite basketball college basketball team and that is because that is the team my family has been rooting for since i've been alive and probably before that most of my family is from kentucky they root for kentucky And so, on college basketball side, I root for Kentucky. On college football, I never really saw my family watch Kentucky football, so I never really got introduced to it. The first team I watched and was entertained by in college football was Ohio State. And I know, I know, I sound like a bandwagon, but the first time I really got into college football was the year that Ohio State won over Alabama. Alabama. In the national championship and became national champion so i was like oh i need to root for this team they're so cool they're so fun college football is so fun so yes that is how i decided my teams in college don't come for me this has been since i've been watching the sport i've rooted for this team through thick and thin i watched the wisconsin upset over uh kentucky i watched the purdue loss against ohio state so yes i've seen the pain and i've seen the prosper So I'm telling you guys, please believe me when I say I'm fans of these teams. That being said, Kentucky is looking like a real contender in this year's March Madness tournament. So you're probably saying, oh, well, here he goes again. He's going to pick Kentucky to win the national championship. And you're damn right I am. You're damn right. I'm going to pick the Kentucky Wildcats to win the national championship this year. They have the second best odds. Why would I not? And the team with the number one odds, the Gonzaga Bulldogs, of course, just lost to St. Mary's. And I know, Kentucky just lost to Arkansas, but Arkansas is a ranked team. Arkansas is the top 10 team. So, I don't see any pain in that, and they only lost by two. Gonzaga lost to St. Mary's. So, you're damn right that I'm picking the Kentucky Wildcats to win the national championship. And I ain't wavering off that. Until I see the seedings. I might change it then. But I hope not. So even though I have Kentucky winning the national championship this year. There will obviously be teams in their way. And some of them will be higher seeded teams. That a lot of people will not pick. To go all the way. That could really endanger a top team. Making the final four. And eventually a national championship. And one of them. Is a bit of a. He's a, it's a four or five seed, but I think Ohio State is very dangerous when they're playing at their highest. They were at one point ranked in the top two. They might have been number one, but definitely at the highest, they were number two this season. A lot of people are saying that they're not contenders now because they're a little banged up. They're not playing as well. But I'm here to say that once a team has played well, they can always play at that level. So no matter what seed. Ohio State Lanson, they are a dangerous team to play in March Madness this year and could make a run as a four or five seed towards that final four spot but the two teams that I feel are very dangerous as higher seeds in this March Madness bracket one being a team that not long ago was a Cinderella story and continues to always be one every time they enter the tournament that being Loyola Chicago sister Mary is always watching them whether she's on the court or not Loyola I got to see them play live in an Elite Eight game versus Kansas State and Atlanta Georgia one year because I bought the tickets thinking that Kentucky would beat Kansas State but they didn't so I ended up just watching Loyola Chicago beat the crap out of Kansas State which felt a little nice because it was a little bit of a revenge game and so for that fact I always root for Loyola when they make the tournament and they did again this year and it seems like they're gonna be dangerous it seems like they're the 11 seed pick that everyone's picking it always seems like there's one 11 seed that's beats the six seed and a lot of people are looking to Loyola to beat that now an 11-6 matchup funny enough I'm gonna talk about the six seeded most likely obviously they can move up based off how they play the rest of the season but right now it's looking like Arkansas who obviously just beat Kentucky is looking to become the number six seed most likely in that area four to six and they're dangerous obviously they're dangerous they've been showing lately they just beat Kentucky they're looking like they quite possibly could win the SEC this year It's between them Kentucky and Auburn and it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see some of the SEC teams. Obviously the SEC dominates football but they're also very good in basketball along with the ACC and Big Ten. I don't know. I like those three teams as teams to whether later in the bracket or immediately in the bracket make some shocking upsets. Obviously Loyola would be a shock, and no matter what round of the bracket, and Arkansas and Ohio State, as they go on further in the tournament, assuming they stay the seeds they're projected to be right now, could make some big noise against number one or number two seeded teams. So, who will be those juggernauts? Who will be the top four teams, all ranked number one? Let's talk about it. Because the top three teams right now that seem to be projected as the top three teams and number one seed, I have as Lux. I think, yes, Gonzaga will end as the number one team as they typically do. Because they don't really play anybody big. And they even sometimes lose to teams like St. Mary. But they will be the number one ranked team. And probably deservingly so. They will most likely make some noise in the tournament. Number two... I'm going to go with Kansas right now. Statistically, analytically, right now it's going to Arizona. But I have a feeling Arizona has one more loss in them. They'll still be a number one seed. But I I don't see them winning their conference. So that's the reason I'm going to bunk them down. Just number three. So just one spot down. But Kansas, I have as number two. They played very well this season. I think... Even if Arizona were to lose another game, there's a chance they could still be number two. I mean, they only have two losses on the year, to whereas Kansas has four. But I personally think Kansas will move up to number two. And Arizona, who has played very well this season, will bonk down to number three. But most likely will make plenty of noise this season, as they have been a very dominant team. With that being said, number four is not a lock for me. And I'm going to sound real biased. But right now they're saying it should be the Auburn Tigers. And if you're asking me, there's a better team in the SEC. And I think it truly will come down to who wins the SEC. If it's a team that we don't expect, or if it's a team like Arkansas, I think Duke might slip in there at number four and get the number one seed? If not, it'll be whoever wins the SEC between Kentucky and Auburn. If one of those two teams win, I feel like they become the new number one seed. If one of those teams do not win, it will be Duke most likely assuming that they go on to win their conference championship. But at the end of the day, go big blue. Cause Kentucky's taking it all the way Go Big Blue will be the new Who Day here on Rookie Ball. And ladies and gentlemen, that is all the time we have for today. I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We finally have some stuff to talk about in sports after having nothing on Friday. So, I will see you guys this upcoming Friday. And I will see you guys on the flippity flip. Get out of here.